right? How many of you know that, that 30 seconds with the Holy Spirit is, is, a, is better than 45 minutes of Pastor Steve's preaching, right? Like the Holy Spirit can just come in and just do a work in you in 30 seconds uh, that, that, that you can't get any other way. Like he is the one. And, and uh, the funny thing, that's who we're preaching on today. We're, we're preaching about the Holy Spirit. We're, we're grateful uh, for the work of God. Amen. We're, we're, we're going to be in the, the new series called Living an Empowered Life. And that's what we're diving into. The Lord, as I, as I prayed about where to go after Easter, and uh, we spent some time in the gospel series before Easter talking about Jesus and his time on the, on the earth, walking the earth, and the things he taught and, and how he uh, guided the disciples and showed them what to do and taught and stood up against the Pharisees, right? So we, we talked about that series, and then we came into Easter, and, and uh, we, we spent some time talking about the cross and the, and the crucifixion on Friday night. And then on Sunday, we talked about how... Uh, God came in and washed feet, how, how God, Jesus is God, amen, and he, he lowered himself down and washed feet to show how much he loved, uh, loved us, and then we had that demonstration at the end of Easter, uh, and then today, I really felt like we were just supposed to come into the book of Acts, and, and just spend some time in Acts for a little while. So I want you to go on this journey with me over the next probably six to eight weeks. I know normally we do a month-by-month -month sermon series, but I really feel like we're supposed to spend like six to eight weeks at least in Acts and really just dive in uh, to what Acts means to us as the Christian church today. Uh, how many of you know Acts was the, that was the birth of the church that we're now a part of today. That's who Jesus came to set up the church, and Acts is the birth of that. It's the, it's the first century church, and, it, and everything that happened to them uh, can still happen to us today, amen? And everything that they experienced then, we can still experience today, amen? And every promise that Jesus gave the apostles and the disciples then, we can still experience today. And that's why I'm excited about that. So if you would turn with me to Acts, I'm going to do a couple of quick things. Would you guys give it up for our drummer, Mr. Henry Borg, right back there? Henry had major knee surgery and has been out for a while, and this is his first Sunday back with us, and we're just we're, we're grateful for Henry and, and thankful that, that he's back today, and, and uh, we love you. We love you, Henry. Thank you so much. Amen. Uh, I also promised you guys a picture last week, and, and some of you guys aren't on Facebook, and our, our new grandbaby, Sawyer Elizabeth, has been, uh, well, we, we've put her, we, you, some of y'all are probably sick of it, because we, we posted <laughs> like a lot of pictures of her up on Facebook already, and uh, we're not sick of it, just so you know, so, uh, but we've been posting pictures like crazy of her, and uh, if, but maybe some of y'all aren't linked up with our Facebook page, and, and uh, you haven't seen her, so I promised you guys on Easter Sunday I would show you a, a couple of pictures of her today, so Alex, would you mind just that first picture? I, I love this picture. She's like, she winking, guys. It's like, she's like, what, like five days old there. She went to her first doctor's appointment, and she's in the car, and she's just winking at her parents. Does, does that tell you what they're in for? <laughs> like, she already knows how to wrap them around her finger, right? And uh, she's, she's absolutely gorgeous, beautiful. Can you show the next one, Alex? There we go. That's her all, all dressed up and, and uh, with a pacifier in mouth. Amen. But she is, she is beautiful, and I just wanted to share that with you guys today. We're, we are feeling so grateful that I haven't had time to feel old yet. 
So I'm sure the time's coming when I'll recognize and realize I got two grandkids and I'm going to get, and I'm getting a little older. Uh, but for right now, I'm feeling so grateful and in love that the old stuff is holding off for a little bit. So I'm sure it's coming. This family moved on me. You guys are in a different row today. And, and I can see your faces, and I'm so, I'm so happy about that. Usually there's a pole right back there and a little bit of dark, and I, I get like half of, half of you guys, you know. So it's good, good to see you guys moved up this morning. I hope I didn't embarrass you by saying that. How many of you are in the books of Acts? Book, book of Acts, right? So, so we're going to be in Acts today. We're going to be talking about one and two. Uh, we'll probably stay in two again next week and, and dive into some more uh, parts of it. But what I wanted to do today is basically lay down the groundwork of Acts and everything to do with Acts and, and kind of why, it's, why it was written, why it's there, why it's important to us, why we should pay, import, uh, pay attention to it. Uh, have you guys ever done something in your life that you felt absolutely ill-equipped to do? Have you ever done something and you're like, man, I am just not empowered to do this thing? Like, I don't have what it takes to do this, right? Have you ever rushed into something and you thought, man, this is going to be easy? And then about halfway through it, you realize it's not easy, right? And it's, it, it takes a lot more than maybe what you planned for and what you decided to do in that moment. Uh, that happens to me with every home project. Every time I do a home project, I watch YouTube videos, and it looks so easy. I watch my buddy Brian, Brad's dad, do them, and, and he, he just makes it look so easy, right? And I'm like, oh, my God, like, I can do that. Like, if they can do that, I can do that, right? And I come in really confident. How many of y'all come in confident when you're doing home repairs, right? Some of y'all are confident for a reason. I'm not, right? I'm just confident because I think I can do it. And then I get halfway through, and I go, man, I need some help. Uh, I, I remember the time when Jessica and I bought our first house and the garbage disposal went out and I was like, you know, I can change out a garbage disposal. I've never changed out a garbage disposal in my life, but I'm like, how hard can it be, right? I'm a smart guy, like I can do this. And I uh, went and bought a new garbage disposal. I'm sliding up under there and I'm, I'm, I'm wrenching on stuff and taking out bolts and wrenches, but I really don't know, you know, how it all went together. So I really don't know how to take it all apart. And as I'm taking out bolts, the next thing I remember is I'm up under there in this heavy garbage disposal. I don't know if you ever picked one up, but they're pretty heavy, right? This heavy garbage disposal just lands on my chest. Like it just fell out of the sink. And with it, it ripped on the plumbing, and it broke the plumbing behind the wall, like behind the, the drywall. And I'm like, I'm scared to tell Jessica what happened, you know, because she's going to be like, oh. Y'all, it took me about eight 18 trips to Home Depot to fix that problem, right? Like, how many of you have gone to Home Depot to get what you needed to fix something and you came back and it was the wrong part, right? You just didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the empowerment uh, to be able to do that at that time. Now, I can change a garbage disposal. I've done it a couple of times, right? I know what to expect. I know what you're supposed to do. Then I didn't have any idea. Uh, I was thinking about this, even the time when um, I started to drive. How many of you struggled to drive a stick shift car, right? Right, yeah. Well, my first car was a, a little, some of y'all were in this church when I was a kid in this church, and I drove a little white Isuzu pickup. Do any of you guys remember that? No, my wife does. I had her name right on the side of it in cursive. It said Jessica. 
right on the right on the side of right in her seat, right? And and uh, I had this little white Isuzu pickup, but it was a stick shift. And I remember when my dad first bought it for me, and he's so excited. He picked me up at school, and I was heading to the driver's license bureau. That's when the driver's license bureau was on the way to Floral City, in a little strip mall on a hill, right? And we pulled in and parked, and I went in and uh, passed the test and got my license. I was so excited. My dad goes, all right, I'm going to teach you how to drive this truck now. And we're like, I'm like, great. And I had no idea how to drive a stick shift. We go out, and I get in the driver's seat, and he goes, okay, now this, these are the things you want to do. You want to press in the clutch. You want to take it out of gear. You want to get it ready. Put it in the next gear. You can put it in reverse. Put it in the gear you need and uh, keep a foot on the brake. And so I'm listening to all this instructions, right? And, and next thing I know, I hear my dad screaming. Out on the other side. Now, my dad didn't scream, right? He was like manly man, y'all. Like, he was like, you know, all the time. But I heard him like, ah, like screaming. And I'm like, what in the world? And I look up, and I had pushed in the clutch, failed to touch the brake, had rolled off the hill and into traffic. And there's cars coming right at the truck, laying on horns. And, and then I'm like, and he's like, put it in gear, put it in gear. And I'm like, no, you know, I don't know what to do. And, and he's like, he's reaching over and trying to shove it in gear, but I don't have the clutch in. And the truck's rolling and there's cars coming at us. And, and I wasn't empowered with the knowledge on how to drive that truck yet. My dad jumps out, runs around, kicks me over into the passenger seat, gets in the truck, drives us straight home, y'all, gets out, slams the door, and says, you go learn how to drive this truck. I am not going to teach you, right? He was so mad at me, y'all, and it was, it was, it was, it was funny, uh, but he did. He went in the house. He didn't ever teach me another lesson, so we, we lived on some back roads and dirt roads here in Inverness, and I, I went out and got in the truck, and I stuttered and shook and, 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 just, and just made my way through until I learned how to drive it. it about three hours on those back roads before I got smooth at it. Uh, but sometimes we, we do stuff in life that we just feel ill-equipped for. You just feel ill-equipped for. How many of you in this church today has God called you to ministry sometimes? Like God has called you to do something ministry related or God has just asked you to witness to your neighbor or God has just asked you to, to forgive somebody or God has just asked you to, to, to walk in love in a situation that's not natural to walk in love in and you just feel ill-equipped to do that, right? You just feel ill-equipped. You don't feel like you have what it takes to do that. Well, I want you to know that uh, in the book of Acts, as Jesus uh, begins and prepares to leave this earth and leave the disciples and ascend into heaven, he knew that they were ill-equipped. He spent three years with them, but he still knew that they were going to need some help. Amen? But can I tell you today that it, the help wasn't just for them, but it's for you and me today. The same empowerment that he empowered those, those men and those women with in the first century church is the same empowerment that's available to us today. In the same way, we have the ability uh, to walk into situations that we know nothing about and be okay because we're empowered by the same empowerment that empowered the early church, the disciples and the apostles. Amen. So, so I want to uh, kind of jump into this for a minute. How many of you fill over your head on parenting, right? Half of us are truthful. The other half is lying, right? We, we, parenting is tough, right? You fill over your head. I, I heard this story this week, and I was, I was thinking about this. There was, a, there was a speaker who was traveling the nation, and he had this perfect book that he wrote. And so he got booked and was traveling the nation, and he and his wife had not yet had any kids. And he titled it, Ten Ways to Raise Perfectly Behaved Children. And he traveled the country teaching this, y'all. 
Well, then they had the first kid, and after having the first kid for a few months, he, he, uh, he changed it to 10 helpful hints for parents. <laughs> and then they had the second kid. And after he had the second kid, he thought about it for a little while, and he changed it to hope for struggling parents. <laughs> and then they had a third kid. And when they had the third kid, uh, and they were juggling three kids and dealing with that kind of situation that Jessica and I dealt with. We had three kids pretty close together. They were struggling with all of that. He just stopped teaching it altogether. He packed it up and put it away and moved on to something else, right? Uh, I listened to Pastor Robert Morris from Gateway. Any of you uh, ever hear Pastor Robert Morris? He's, he's pretty incredible, right? Uh, from Gateway, he, he used to say uh, that when he had his first kid, he, he, he did so well at it that he wanted to travel and teach parenting. And then he had the second kid, and he thought, you know, I could really uh, help some people by teaching these principles that I'm using. And then he said when he had the third kid, he realized he didn't know a hill of beans about parenting. Sometimes kids will throw you off, right? Well, it's not just kids. Sometimes it's, it's life that throws us off. It, sometimes it's our Christianity that throws us off. Sometimes it's the things we're supposed to do that God has, has asked us to do that throws us off. Uh, sometimes it's, it's being able to forgive in the moment uh, when everything screams in your head and in your flesh that you absolutely cannot forgive that situation. And the Bible is saying that you must forgive and it throws you off. And sometimes it's, it's being able to love and sometimes it's being able to just step outside of yourself and witness to somebody in the moment that throws you off. But the truth is, it, without an empowerment uh, or the power or the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit that we're moving in through, we just feel in most of these cases weak, stupid, and helpless. And that's just, that's just digging in and being true for a minute. Right? Without the power of the Holy Spirit and the help of the Holy Spirit, in most occasions, we just feel weak, stupid, and helpless. But the truth is, none of us want to feel that way. None of us want to deal with that. None of us want to deal with those emotions and those thoughts and everything that comes along with that, right? Because then you start feeling less than. You feel like you can't tackle any kind of situation, right? If, if I wouldn't have got back on the horse, I never would have tried to do another garbage disposal in my life, right? But I got back on the horse and tried it again. Or if, or if I would have let that incident uh, deter me when I rolled down into traffic and scared me from driving a stick shift, I never would have learned how to drive that truck, right? But, but moving through these situations, none of us like feeling weak, helpless, or stupid. None of us like that. That's why in this world today, when you look around, uh, most people, we read books constantly in areas that we're struggling in, right? We were like, man, I'm struggling in this area. I need about 15 books to help me get through this. I need to start studying and reading what these authors say, and I need to, I need to read these books to figure it out. Or, or you know what? This is an area that I'm weak in. I need to go to school, and I need to get a degree in this area to prove that I know more about this area than I've had. Or, or maybe sometimes it's in your physical appearance and in your weight, and, and like me, you want to go work out, and you want to go the, to, the, to the gym. You want to lose some weight, right? Uh, but you work out. You do cardio. You go to the doctor to stay healthy, and uh, some of us, uh, some of y'all, rather, I don't on a regular basis, but I should take vitamins, right, and eat healthy and, and, and all the while trying to maintain power and strength and knowledge in our lives. And all of that is good. All of that is good. Going to school and getting knowledge and learning is good. Taking care of yourself and going to the gym is good. Reading books is good. But how many of you know we can't put our faith in all of that alone? We can't put our faith, matter of fact, we can't put much of our faith in that period. 
We can take that with a grain of salt and read those books and get those degrees and go to the gym and do those things. But most of what we do on this earth in order to be empowered to do what God has required out of all of us, we need mainly just the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need mainly just the Holy Spirit. I've, I've heard the old joke. It's been going around for a while. They said, can you go to heaven without the Holy Spirit? And, and the pastor said, I can't go to Walmart without the Holy Spirit. Like, like I need the Holy Spirit everywhere I go, right? Like, I, I need him. Like, you know, people are crazy out there, Miss Lucille. Like, like, they drive crazy, and they cut you off, and you need the Holy Spirit just to, just to get around the corner sometimes, amen? I need the Holy Spirit to get up here and preach, because without the Holy Spirit, I can't get up here and give you anything that is worthwhile in your life. If I got up here under my own power and my own authority, I can't get you very far. But if I get up here under the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and teach and preach and speak into your life, then you know that you can take that to the bank. You know that that's good stuff. Amen. I can give you my advice all day long. I can tell you my experiences. I can tell you what I've learned by reading books. And I can tell you what I've learned getting credentialed in, in denominational uh, uh, affiliations. But I can't get up here and really guide you in life without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. It takes the Holy Spirit for Pastor Brad to get up here and lead worship. Without the Holy Spirit, we're just singing some songs. Without the Holy Spirit, you're not feeling anything in your bones. You can sing some songs and you can hear the best singer in the world and they might bring a tear to your eye and they might bring a, a goosebump to your skin. But without the Holy Spirit, that's still just a song. But with the Holy Spirit, it begins to transform and change something deep down inside of you. Amen? Because that's what the Holy Spirit empowers us for, which is true change, so that we can get through this life and do the things that God has called us to do. Amen? Amen. So all of that is good stuff. So there's an empowerment even greater that God gives that affects not only our spirits, but our souls. It affects our body. It affects our environment, and that's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The good news is, is that we are, if you have accepted Jesus into your life, you are empowered by God, the Holy Spirit. Amen. If you have accepted Jesus, you have immediately received the Holy Spirit. And once you accept Jesus, and how do I know, Pastor Steve, how do I know if I've raised my hand in service or I've walked up this aisle and I've met somebody at this altar and I've, and, and I've, I've prayed the prayer, how do I know in that moment that I've received the Holy Spirit? Are you convicted the next time that you sin? The next time that you find yourself sinning and you know it's sin. Right? Because, because you have to know that it's sin. But the next time that you find yourself going against the word of God, do you feel conviction in your life? And if you feel conviction in your life, that's, that's, a, that's a, a clear marker that the Holy Spirit is residing in you. And the Holy Spirit comes and resides in all who believe on Christ. Amen? So we find ourselves in scripture today, 40 days after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Jesus appeared and talked to the apostles and he talked to other people and he, he appeared on the, on the road with travelers and he did all kinds of, of stuff in that time frame from the time that he was resurrected till the time that he went to heaven. He met with, with all kinds of people and he talked to all kinds of people and he refuted the lies that he didn't really raise from the dead but that his body had been stolen and his 
body had been hidden. And the Roman government, uh, there's, there's a great movie. Uh, man, I just read it. I, not read it. I just watched it the other day. What was that movie? Oh, help me, babe. Man, but it was about a Roman centurion who was there for Jesus' uh, crucifixion and, and, and him on the cross. And, and then he led up the tribe uh, to chase down all the Christians right after that because the, the town was going nuts with talk that Jesus had resurrected. So he led the, the, the group of Roman soldiers going to try to chase down these Christians and interview them and find out. And they were looking for the body of Jesus, right? But in the end, and, and it's, it's fictional, but in the end he, he walks into the room. But while I say it's fictional, it very well could have happened, right? But it's not biblical. It's not in the Bible. But in the end, he walks into the room where Jesus is sitting with Thomas and saying, Thomas, feel my wounds. And Thomas, see my... And then he, he falls to his, to his knees and realizes Jesus really did uh, resurrect from the dead, right? A great movie. I'll, get, I'll, I'll put it on Facebook later if any of you... Risen. Thank you. So if you haven't watched Risen, can I encourage you uh, to watch that movie? Because it's, it's powerful uh, about, about Jesus. So we find ourselves at this point when Jesus is appearing to people, and then we move into Acts. And Acts, how many of you know, is the sequel to the Gospel of Luke. So Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke, obviously, uh, and then Luke wrote Acts. So if you read the Gospel of Luke and you read Acts, it's written in the same format. It's written in the same way, using the same kind of language, uh, because Luke wrote both of those, and Luke was a doctor, Right, So Luke was a doctor. He wrote both of those accounts, but Luke wrote Acts, and Acts plays like a sequel to the Gospel of Luke. So since we've been in the Gospel series, and then we uh, moved into the death and resurrection of Christ on Easter, it's only natural that we then move into Acts as the sequel of the Gospels. That what begins, what begins to happen in Acts is actually pretty amazing. The official title of the book, if you have a Bible like mine, it says, the Acts of the apostles, the acts of the apostles, but I, I would venture to say that you could probably add a little bit to that title, and it could be the acts of the apostles as empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because how many of you know, uh, in, the, in the second chapter, the Holy Spirit comes in and fills the, the apostles, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit, which is a little different than receiving the Holy Spirit at a time of conversion. And we're going to get into that over the coming weeks. Uh, but in this moment, they were baptized by the Holy Spirit in the upper room, as Jesus promised. So if you're in Acts chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 4. And it'll be on the screen if you didn't bring a Bible or you don't have a digital uh, format with you. You can read and follow along right on the screen. But it reads like this. And being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. Uh, in, in where we're picking up, it's actually Jesus talking to the apostles, right? So he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. To wait for the promise of the Father. You remember when I said earlier that everything that is in Acts for them is also in Acts for us. Right, so the promises that were there for them is also the promises that are there for us today. So, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, uh, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Uh, do, do you remember when we talked about in the gospel how the people, when they were receiving Jesus, expected him to make a difference politically? 
They expected Jesus to change the political structure and the political climate and the governance of the area. And that's not what Jesus was there for. Jesus was there to build a kingdom, but it wasn't an earthly kingdom. It was a spiritual kingdom. Amen. That Jesus was there to, to teach people and lead people. He wasn't there to overthrow a government. So in this point, they said, uh, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? How many of you know they're, they're reverting right back to that thinking again? They're reverting right back to, okay, at this time, we're, we're waiting for the Romans to be overthrown. When's this going to happen, Lord? Like they, they, they were focused on the wrong thing. How many of you sometimes get focused on the wrong things, right? We all do it. We all do. We all get focused on the wrong things. They were focused on the wrong things in this moment. And he, he being Jesus, said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. If you were in growth track this morning, that sounds really familiar because we talked about that passage. Uh, But he said uh, that don't be concerned about the things that are under the Father's authority only. In, In other words, you have nothing to do with that. You can experience it and receive it when it happens. right? But don't be so concerned with the things that are under the Father's authority, but be concerned with the things that we give to you now. Right, that I, that I may not be uh, concerned with teaching you about when Jesus is going to return as the second return. We believe and we know it's coming, but it's not for us to worry ourselves day to day on when it's going to happen. It's for us to worry ourselves day to day on walking in the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit to give us and teach us to live the way Jesus taught us to live. Uh, not bunkered up and worried about eschatology, which is, which is the, the concern of the end times. And I enjoy studying that stuff and looking at that stuff. But I want to tell you today that it is not my main focus. The end times are not my main focus. My main focus is doing what Jesus has called us to do now, which is the be empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit so that I make sure that I walk in love and I forgive people and I teach and I preach and I speak and I want to see people saved and coming into a knowledge of who Jesus is in their life right now. Amen? Now... Glory to God, there's going to be a day when we fly off of this earth, right? There's going to be a day, glory to God, when Jesus returns and he establishes his kingdom on earth. That's the second coming, and we believe that, and we teach that, and we understand that, and we know that. But Jesus himself said, it is not for you to be concerned about things that are under the authority of the Father only. That's something under the authority of the Father only. Don't be so concerned about that that you leave out loving your neighbor. Don't be so wrapped up in eschatology and thinking about the end times that you forget to forgive somebody when they've harmed you. Don't get so wrapped up in, that, in, in the theology of the end times that you forget about the theology of just walking it out the way Jesus has called you to walk it out. Amen. That we're called to love one another and we're called to forgive each other and we're called to witness to people and we're called to tell people what Jesus has done for me. In the beginning of this service, I asked you to testify. I'm going to ask you to testify again right now. Just shout it out. This is what Jesus has done for me. Amen. Jesus turned my life around. Jesus picked me up when I was down. Jesus lifted me up and placed me upon a rock and pressure washed 
washed all of the mud and the junk and all of the stuff off of me that I had gotten myself into because I had gotten off the path that God had called me for and I began to walk into the weeds and I began to walk into the muck and the mire and the mud and I began to get myself dirty. God didn't get me dirty. I got me dirty. But once I got clean, it was God who got me clean because I couldn't get myself clean. I am telling you this morning right now that we need to walk in and just... Tell me to calm down. <laughs> Let me get my heart. I got to teach this to y'all now. How many of you today could stand to your feet and say, it was only by the grace of God? It's only by the grace of God. And if you can't stand to your feet in physical, you stand to your feet in your heart, Grandpa. It is only by the grace of God. Sometimes we get so worried, we get so worried about stuff that, that we need to trust to the Father. We get so caught up in, in stuff that's the Father's business. And can I tell you this, even stuff in our own life that we can just hand to the Father and say, Father, I can't do it. I, I can't fix this. If you were here on Good Friday service, the video that we showed, Pastor Judah Smith said, I can't shake myself free. It's only by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only by the power of God that cleans us up when we need to be cleaned up. I remember being so far gone, church. So far gone. Gone in my mind, gone in my flesh, gone in my desires, gone in my reactions to life. I remember being so angry that I just couldn't even hold it in. And anytime something uh, pushed me in just the smallest way, I would respond in such an overreaction and throw stuff and demean people. And speak down to people with my words. And I was so far gone that the love of Christ was far from me. But I also remember the day. That circumstances in my life dropped me to my knees. And I recognized and realized that I could not do it on my own. I cannot reverse this damage that I've caused myself. I can cause the damage. I can't save myself. I need Jesus. 
I told the growth track class this morning, this is probably why I'm all geared up, man. I told the growth track class this morning, I said there was a, a time and a period of eight days that I spent on the floor of my face and, and just fasting and believing God for changes in my life. And in those eight days, he corrected things in me that I had broken. He corrected things in me that generationally were broken, generational curses that came down from my forefathers and from my father and my grandfather, and generational curses that were held up in me, that were bondages inside of me. And in that moment of time, laying on my face with a big wet spot in the carpet from my tears, God came in and released me from every one of those. And I, I remember getting up, and I was empowered. I remember getting up and no longer controlled by the chains of anger and no longer controlled from the bondages of sin. But I was empowered with Jesus' authority and with the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the things in my life that were holding me hostage. There's a way that God has called us to live, church. That if we have received Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we now have the Holy Spirit residing in us, that God has called us in such a way to live that we don't have to accept living in chains and bondages. That we don't have to accept slavery any longer, but we can now proclaim freedom in Christ. That we can stand up and with the power of the Holy Spirit, those chains and those bondages begin to fall off and drop off of us. That we don't have to live in prison any longer, but we can live set free. Thank you, Lord. Moving into Acts 2, we see a, a shift in God's people. In the Old Testament, if you read the Bible and if you're new to the faith, as you read the Bible in the Old Testament, you'll run across times where it says, and the Holy Spirit came on such and such. And it was moments of, of great courage that was needed from men or moments of great acts of, 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 or great feats that were needed to be accomplished by men that the Holy Spirit came on them so that they could be empowered to do what they needed to do. So all throughout the Old Testament, we see situations like this. We see Samson. Samson was not a perfect man by any stretch of the imagination. Samson was a ladies' man and was so caught up in wooing women that he forgot about the call that God had put on his life. Samson had made some mistakes, right? Samson kept messing up. But when, when God needed Samson, the power of the Holy Spirit fell on him. And Samson did what he was called to do. But he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you today, it wasn't Samson's long hair. That empowered him to do what he did. That was a trait that God had put in place as a recognizable outward trait that he belonged to God. But it wasn't the long hair that gave him the power. Otherwise, we'd have had some real strong hippies, man, in the, in the 60s. <laughs> Mess with my mother-in-law. Otherwise, my, my little grandson, Waylon, with his long hair, he'd, he'd be like Bam Bam from the Flintstones, right? 
But it's not the power in the hair that makes a difference. It was the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that made him strong. The Holy Spirit came on him when God needed him to do something miraculously. The Holy Spirit came on him. The Holy Spirit, it says in the Old Testament, came on Balaam when he needed to do what God had called him to do and asked him to do. When he needed to speak the hardest words in the hardest moment, the Holy Spirit came on him and gave him the courage to speak what he was supposed to speak. Kenaz and Jephthah and Othniel, three judges in the Old Testament, all three say the Holy Spirit came on them at times so they could judge Israel correctly and make the right decisions and do the right things in the moment. That it took the Holy Spirit to do those things. And then you have Gideon. Gideon who self-proclaimed was the least of these. Gideon who said, my family is the lowest and the worst family in all of Israel and I am the lowest and the worst of my family. And God said, yep, you're the one I'm going to use. And scripture says that the Holy Spirit came on Gideon and Gideon became a, a, a mighty warrior. Gideon became valiant. Gideon impacted Israel and set Israel free from his captives under the power of the Holy Spirit. You have Saul. Saul, when he was first called to be king of the kingdom, and the Holy Spirit came on Saul and he prophesied. He started dancing and shouting, and he looked very Pentecostal in the moment, I'm sure, and, and dancing and shouting and began to prophesy because the Holy Spirit had come on him. David, do you think it was the slingshot in the rock? Do you think it was the training with the bears and the lions? The Spirit came on David. If David was so confident in his training and his ability, why did he pick up five stones instead of just one? But the Holy Spirit used the first stone to slay the giant. Because the Spirit came on David because David had work to do. And whenever you have work to do in the kingdom, you need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Because when you allow the Holy Spirit to begin to move on you, the work that you do for the kingdom starts to become easy. When you allow the Holy Spirit to move in your life, that, that which terrified you, that which shook you in your boots in fear, that which hindered you and kept you from growing in knowledge and expertise, that which held you down, that which shackled you, when you begin to allow the Holy Spirit to unleash in your life, because how many of you know the Holy Spirit is a gentleman? He's not going to unleash into you unless you desire it and you want him to. But in that moment when you allow the Holy Spirit full reign to unleash and begin to do his work in your life, all of those things, your fear and your inadequacies and your trembling in your boots and you feeling ill-equipped, all of that stuff begins to go by the wayside. And then you begin to do things and say things and walk in the supernatural and the miraculous. Because the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to do it. And if you're trying to do it on your own, that explains why you're failing or why you're afraid or why you're shaking or why you're discouraged or why you're, why you're still chained up with bondages of fear and concern. And if you're trying to do anything on your own without the Holy Spirit, can I tell you today that you're ill-equipped? But once you allow the Holy Spirit to move, you're empowered to do what God has called you to do.
in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit fell on Jesus as he was baptized and began to go into ministry. Jesus was God. Yes, Jesus was God, but he was also 100% man. And he needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit on this earth to do the things that he was called to do. To do the things that the Father had sent him to do. It's the same for all of us. So after Jesus departs for heaven, he sends the Holy Spirit to the earth to take his place and empower whoever believes in Jesus all the time. Here, did, did you, get, you, you missed that part. See, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come on somebody when they needed to do a great feat in the moment and then would depart when they were done. In the New Testament, Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to dwell within us so that he is always with us, always empowering us all the time. That means that once you receive Christ, there's never a time that the Holy Spirit departs from you. You have the Holy Spirit within you, but you need to tap in to what God has, has designed you to, to tap into that power so that you can live the life that God has created you to live. Because you can't live in supernatural authority and power apart from tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you. Or maybe we just like feeling weak, stupid, and dumb. And if we feel that way and we never tap in to what the Holy Spirit has for us, then we constantly live a life of struggle and drama and pain and issues because we're too focused on the negative instead of focusing on the Holy Spirit and allowing him to do his work to fix the, the, the situation. So in the New Testament, we see the Holy Spirit come, and in, in the book of Acts, he empowers people to do this. He empowers people to preach. Or in the Old Testament, he empowered people to preach against sin, to prophesy about God, to perform miracles in his name, to call the family of God or the nation of Israel back to repentance and to protect God's people from their enemies. He called them, the Holy Spirit would come upon them to do those things. And then in Acts 2, after Jesus established the church, then ascended into heaven, the Holy Spirit comes to believers to empower them to do what? To do the work of the gospel. What we've been teaching about for the last four to five weeks. To do the work of the gospel. To perform miracles in his name. To preach, teach, and prophesy, and to be like Jesus. I wonder if anybody in this room gets so tired of hitting their head against the same wall. And it feels like, man, I'm just, I, I can't, just one wall. Every time... I, I, I set my mind that I'm going to break through this and I'm going to do something new. I'm going to move out of this situation in my life. I'm going to stop with all this drama and all this craziness and I'm going to begin uh, to move into what God has for me. Because how many of you know the devil doesn't get any more glory than when you sit sidelined and unable to work for the, for the kingdom of Christ? The devil gets glory when all you can focus on is your own trouble because he's toiled you up and wrapped you around his little finger and you just run that little track all the time, exhausted and worn out and in fear and worry and pain, and you're not moving in the kingdom forward. But each and every person in this room, if you are a believer in Christ, if you've accepted Christ into your heart and you said, Lord, now I give you my life. You have, you have forgiven me of all my sins and Lord, now I give you my life. And if you're in this room and you have done that, God has work for you to do. 
But you can't do it if you're so focused on your own drama. If you're so focused on your own issues, you can't do the work. So at some point, we got to allow the Holy Spirit to come in and begin to remove the shackles, remove the bondages. Let's, let's march you out of Egypt. Let's get you away from making the same old bricks and beating your head against them. Let's march you out of Egypt and let's, let's begin to walk you towards the promise. Let's begin to move you in the right direction that God has for you. Because God didn't design you to walk in circles. God didn't design you to stay captive. God didn't design you as slaves. God designed you as free, supernatural beings. You can walk in the supernaturalness of God by tapping into the God that lives within you. Amen? See, you know where the devil captures us the most? In our minds. We get stuck in our minds and it's not fair. Things aren't going my way. I've been talked to the wrong way, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take me two weeks to get over that. Lady at Walmart, you know, she didn't, she wasn't very nice. Uh, that's gonna take me three days to get over that. All of these issues are popping up in my life, one after another, and it's gonna take me time to get over each of those issues. I'm sorry, God. I'm gonna have to get through these issues, and then maybe eventually I'll get about doing your business. That's not what God's called us to. When Jesus gave us the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, he gave us the authority and he gave us the power that we don't have to sit in that mess. Holy Spirit, have your way. What what does it look like? What does it look like, Pastor Steve, to surrender and, and get out of my... Holy Spirit, have your way. Oh, here comes another offense. Holy Spirit, have your way. Oh, you're talking to me wrong again. Holy Spirit, have your way. Oh, you're angry with Holy Spirit, have your way. Oh, you're not doing what I asked you to do. Holy Spirit, have your way. Kid just got got caught smoking pot at school. Holy Spirit, have your way. I've got one this far from God. Holy Spirit, have your way. Father, this is your business. I'm giving it to you so that I can focus on the business that you've given me. Because everything that the enemy sends my way, if if, if it sidetracks me, it glorifies the devil. And I'm telling you what, uh, I ain't going to glorify the devil. I'm not going to lay down in my mess and my drama and let the devil have any glory in my life. But I'm going to stand up and I'm going to say, whatever he throws my way, I'm going to turn my back on it and say, Holy Spirit, have your way. I'm not going to let offense trip me up anymore. I'm not going to let anger trip me up anymore. I'm not going to let hurts trip me up anymore. I'm going to root the bitterness out of my heart as Professor Brian Norman taught a couple of Wednesday nights ago. I'm going to root the bitterness out of my heart with a Holy Spirit shovel. Look at your neighbor and say, I got a Holy Spirit shovel. It's the best shovel I ever owned. 
Best shovel ever had. That's a supernatural shovel. It can go down in my heart and not even stop it from beating. And it can root out those areas of bitterness that have been keeping me trapped. And I'm deciding today. See, some of y'all people, <laughs> y'all people, <laughs> some of we people, I got a little pointy there for a second, didn't I? Some of we people get so trapped. We get so trapped. And you know what? Because you say, Holy Spirit, have your way, does that mean everything's going to go exactly the way you expect it to from there on? No. Does that mean you're never going to run into issues and, and trouble? No. Does that mean you're never going to get angry or feel offended? No. But when I do, Holy Spirit, have your way. But Steve, that is not natural. That's not, that's crazy talk. That's so silly, that's crazy. It's crazy. Right? The, the world says, if somebody hurts you, you get them back. If somebody does something that you don't want them to do, you get mad and you stay mad for a while. And if somebody offends you, you cut them out of your life. Because that's what the world says to do. But the Bible says that when you have trouble and when you have circumstances, you can hand them to God. You can say, Lord, who, who is in here today that's willing? I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat or anything. I'm just asking you a hypothetical question. Who in here is willing today to make a transfer with God? Like say, Lord, I'm choosing right now to hand this stuff that's been keeping me running in circles to you. And then even though the atmosphere hasn't yet changed, my atmosphere has changed. So although, Lord, I've handed it to you, the process is in works, and I may not see it with my natural eyes, but I see it with my spiritual eyes. Thus, I don't have to continue to fight the same old battle because I know that I've given it to you, Father, and you have control of it, so then I'm not going to make it any of my business anymore. God, once I give this to you, it is now your business, and you're bigger and better at dealing with your business than I am. So, Lord, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to make it your business, and then, Father, I'm going to go about what you've asked me to do so that the devil stops getting glorified in my life. See, some of y'all got to get militant and angry today at the devil and say, I am not going to allow the devil to keep getting glorified any longer in my life. But I'm going to stand up today. I'm going to get military with it. I'm going to stand up today because I know that I've been empowered by the Holy Spirit. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I can overcome anything that comes my way. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't have to let anything spin me out. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't have to accept what the devil tries to put in my mind and put on my shoulders. But I can simply trust God, and I can get about my business. Amen? So in Acts 2, 1 through 4, it says this, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. What does that mean? That means they were all in unity together. Can I tell you today, the people in your life, you need to get in unity. If God has placed them in your life, your prayer partners, the people you live under your roof with, you get in unity with them 
and in one accord focused on God and see what happens. You, you want to know why, uh, why the enemy fights marriage so much? And why marriages struggle so much? It's because a husband and a wife in unity are a danger to the kingdom of Satan. A husband and wife in unity serving God are detrimental to the kingdom of Satan. That's why he tries to, to, to throw you into, into, and the more he comes after you, the more you're valuable to the kingdom of God. Man, I've said this before, but do you know they don't, they don't send gigantic wrecking balls to tear down your backyard shed. So if things seem like they're gigantic wrecking balls in your life, it's because you're a skyscraper in the kingdom of God. And if the enemy's sending the heavy equipment against you, it's because you have work to do that's going to cause him major harm. So it, can I just be, can I be a father for a minute? I know I'm younger than a lot of people in here, but let me just be a dad for a minute. Get your head out of your rear end. Quit chasing the stuff that the enemy has placed in your life that caused you to sit there and stutter and shake and not move and stand up and square your shoulders. And when you shake somebody's hand, you shake that hand. You don't get, you don't get no limp-wristed shake. You shake that hand. And you stop letting the devil run you around like you're some kind of toy because you got the Holy Spirit within you. You can come against anything that comes your way. You are not a toy for the devil. You are not some kind of plaything for the kingdom of Satan, but you are powerful for the kingdom of God. And you need to stand up and know who you are today. And today, as a father, I am calling the warrior. I want to see some young men in this room stand up. And when I say young, I mean every man. Every man in this room, if you can stand, stand up. I am calling the warrior out of you today. You are a warrior. You stop letting the enemy throw you around. You stop letting the devil tempt you with sin. You stop letting the devil sidetrack you by getting you caught up in sexual sin, getting you caught up into pornography, getting you caught up where your eyes are looking in the wrong direction and you're missing what God has for you because you're focused in the wrong direction. I'm telling you today that you need to stand up. Men, you're valuable. Men, you're powerful. Men, you're warriors. And in a society that tries to devalue you and tell you that you don't have what it takes and tell you you just need to shut up and sit down, let me tell you today that God created you to walk and reveal and reflect his glory. And you don't let this world tell you anything different. But you stand up and you walk in that every day. Women, men, sit down. Women, stand up. Jesse, are you by yourself?
Please come here. You have the baby? I hold my wife's hand because I don't want anything to be taken the wrong way. Women, you are loved. I love you with the heart of the Father. I love you. You are valuable. You are his daughters. And in no time, in no way, should you accept any language or words that come your way that cut you and demean you, that lower your value in your own heart and in your own mind? But you have to know who you are and you have to know whose you are. See, in this room today, we got some mighty men of God that stood and accepted that responsibility. But out there in the world, there's some men who are going to talk to you and treat you any old way they see fit and think that it's okay. Some of you in this room are carrying the weights of what men have spoken over you years ago. You're carrying the weights of that today. And the way that you react in your circumstances and the way that you react when stuff comes your way, when offenses and anger and hurt comes your way, are a telltale sign that you're still carrying the stuff that somebody else has placed on you. Can I tell you today that today is the time and the place and the moment and the situation to say, God, you can have it. I let it go. I shake it off today. No longer am I going to allow it to affect me. So that when somebody tries to talk down to me or demean me in any way, I say, I'm a child of the Most High King. I'm a daughter of God. I'm a princess of the, of the King. I don't know who you're talking to. But guess what? It ain't going to make me angry because I know better and lies don't make me angry. The truth is what makes people angry. If it's an outward lie about you, don't get angry about it. You go, Psh. I'm God's. I don't know who you're talking to. Say that, baby. She, she won't. And then, when you have the correct view of who you are in God's eyes, and somebody offends you, hurls an insult to you, speaks to you in the wrong way, then you go, Psh. Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. Thank you, baby. Man, Pastor Eddie, there's too many girls that hit middle school and then little boys who don't know no better and haven't been taught any better talk trash to them. And then these little girls carry that throughout their middle school life and then into their high school life, and even into college life, and then into relationships after that. And they carried this stuff that was spoken straight out of the mouth of the devil. He's on a little middle school boy. And they carried this stuff through their life. And then they feel like, because these boys who are not focused on God, who are focused on uh, the things of the world and the things of the flesh, 
and are lost in sexual impurity, then girls feel like they have to match that in order to somehow be loved. I want to challenge all of us today who have little girls in our lives, whether it's your daughter, your niece, your granddaughter, your great-granddaughter, I want to challenge you that when you see them, you speak it over them. You know what you are? You are you are a princess. You are valuable. You're a child of the Most High King. And if they get that in their spirit, then no little middle school boy is going to be able to devalue them enough to start selling their body trying to pick up love. They'll know what real love is, right? If we do that enough, man, the first 12 years of, of my marriage and, and being a dad, I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't do that, and I'm, I'm ashamed of that, but I didn't, have, I didn't have Christ in my life at the center, and, and I, didn't, I didn't teach my girls that. I taught them to be, to be loved, and I, I loved them, but I didn't tell them about the love of the Father. But once God changed my life, I started all the time. Every chance I got to speak it into them, every chance I got to speak it into my son, son, this, this is how you treat women. You value them, you respect them, you love them, you honor them. Man, God places them in your life for a reason. You respect them. And I taught my son that, and my son does that well. And I'm so grateful for that. He's a gentleman in every sense of the word, which is rare for a 20-year-old. He's a gentleman. I love you. Ain't none of this in my notes. (laughs) I'm going to save my last two pages and move into next week. Pastor Brad, you come help me out. That's what happens when you become a grandpa. No, I I believe wholeheartedly that the power of the Holy Spirit is in this place. And if we're a church called Redemption Point, and our focus is to reach the lost, and to restore the hurting, and to see people redeemed for their ultimate purpose in Christ, then we need to talk about tough subject matter. Then we need to talk about the hard things. And as a pastor in this church, I've got to call that stuff out of men and women in this church. Because if we can help to create strong families then what outpours out of strong families is strong communities. And the more God we get in people in our community, the more godly our community becomes. And we, we've got to go after them. The world is going after them hard, guys. The world is going after them hard. And you know what the devil's doing? If he can't trip you up with sin, then he's trying to get you unfocused or focused in the wrong direction. If he can't trip Christians up with sin, then he'll get you so focused on the wrong things that you're ineffective. Because if you're living in sin, you're ineffective. 
And if you're focused on the wrong things, you're ineffective. And he doesn't care which, as long as you're ineffective. But I'm telling you today that in order for us to, to begin to move into the kingdom the way God has called us as a church to move, we've got to be effective. We've got to be focused. Amen? Would you stand with me today?